0: Amen. Good morning, Church. Amen. Good morning to those of you who are here. Good morning to those of you who are in your hometown, at home, wherever you're watching this. Welcome to Harvest Generation. Uh, I I have this message that I'm going to speak on, something that I want to share. And, you know, in the past one year, I've been doing this long, long, unending series on Foundation Truth. And today, I just want to take a a detour. Um, uh, I'm left with actually one more message on eternal judgment. But well, today I just want to take a quick detour. It's not completely separated, but I just want to talk about something that's um, I feel that is is very apt for this season. Amen. So before that, let's let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We Thank you that, God, we can gather and we can just worship you today. And Father, we just ask that your presence just fill this place. Fill every single uh, room where everyone is watching online as well. So, Father, we thank you. Um, right here today, we, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to just be with us. Touch our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to receive what you have for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of my uh, sharing and my sermon today is Anointed But Not Crown. Anointed But Not Crown. And when we think of crown, and we think of crown straight away, you think of a king. And, and one of the more popular kings in the Bible, of course, other than King Jesus, we have King David. Amen? So we're just going to look at um, King David, but before he becomes a king. And we all know this, that we always say that, you no. Know, David is the man after God's own heart. And let's jump to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're gonna do a bit of reading today. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm gonna go all the way to verse 13. Chapter 16, amen. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I rejected him from reigning over Israel. Saul being the king, that, the first king of Israel and now he has disobeyed God. Alright? So now Saul, Samuel being the, the judge, he, his, he needs to appoint someone else. So fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his son. Verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer, a heifer with you and said, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord verse, let's jump down to uh, verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Let's just pause there. So, when Samuel comes, we always hear of the part where, where, where Samuel anoints David. You know, he goes through the whole catalogue of brothers, and then, and then like the bachelor, he chooses David. But we don't see, we, we, we often just gloss over this first part. You see, at that point of time, Saul was the king. And Samuel, what was he going to do? He was going to anoint the next king. He's practically anointing and appointing his successor before the king has gone. So that's why there was fear and trembling. And even with the elders, they were there, why have you come? And actually, God gave him an excuse. He said like, hey, go and tell that you're going to come and make a sacrifice. So that was that was the whole point. Okay, Just want you to bear that in mind. And let us continue on. Alright? So, verse 6. So he was and he came and he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab is the eldest son. Then verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 8, So Jesse called... Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 9, then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And and, and verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Remember the catalogue? And Samuel said to Jesse, no, the Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping The sheep, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Verse 12, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. Amen. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Amen. Funny, right? If you notice, just something to sidetrack. God said he don't look at appearance, but a few verses later, he says that David was good-looking. Amen. So these are some of the funny things that you actually see in the Bible if you, if you really pay attention. Now David, although he was good-looking, you notice that he was nowhere near ready to become a king. He was the youngest. But yet, but yet, Samuel anointed him to be the next king. And you know, this this, this this, this, whole story, like I always say, the common lesson is always this, that, you know, people, humans, we look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Right? That's the common lesson. I'm, I'm sure some of you kids' gen teachers, you know, this, this is something that you have taught even in kids' gen. But I want you to I just want to shine a light on something within this story that that really intrigued me. You see, the scriptures really take great pain to clearly say or to clearly show that Samuel had no choice and Samuel had no input in choosing David. If you look back, it was always like God has refused, God has refused. Samuel had nothing. He could do nothing. He had no input. You know, but God, this guy, he would fit greatly. He would be the great next king. No, it was exactly God's choice and God's choice alone. My first point is this. And I have three very, three or two very simple points today. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. You see, even in choosing David, his judgments are beyond what we can ever see or understand. You see, God doesn't just look at our heart. He sees all and He decides all. Oh. You see, God is, we just sang the songs this morning and yes, God is our best friend. Right? God is this 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 person, this, this God who, who's really close to us, who wants to have that personal relationship with us. Yes. But it doesn't take away from the fact that He is God. And the God that we love and the God that we serve is a God that is great. A God that we call Almighty. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is our creator. He is God. He is Almighty. And when we say David is a man after God's own heart, look at what he writes in Psalms. Psalms 145, verse 3 in the NLT says Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Psalms 24, verse 1 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all its people belong to him. You see, even in everything, even in the past two years of the pandemic, has taught us not so much of anything, but nothing more that God is a big God. That there is nothing beyond Him and everything comes from Him. You see, it's important that we view Him as that Because when we see Him, when we have this perspective of Him that God is almighty, that God is great, that He is to be magnified, that when we come before Him into His presence, there is this sense of humility. That we have to come before Him with, you know, the Bible always says with bended knees, with this awe and with this reverence. It's not just honour, but it's really this humility. You see, when we see God as Almighty, we understand our place in nature. We understand that actually on this earth, in creation, as much as we think humans are the ones in control, we are not that in control. In the past two years, something as small as this thing called COVID-19 has impacted us in ways and means that we can never imagine that we would go through. And guess what, guys? It's not ending yet. What has happened in the past two years, the impact of it, the influence of it might be seen in the years to come. I was listening to this podcast and I was saying like, the children that has gone through these past two years in isolation, we don't know yet what the effect is going to be on their upbringing. We don't know yet what is gonna, the effect is going to be on their psyche Our place in nature, how minute we are, but yet, but yet, we are chosen and we are loved by the Almighty God. That we can send his one and only Son to die for you and for me. Now, in the Bible verse, it's called the youngest. All right, the youngest. The youngest in Hebrew is called Katan. And in youngest, in, in Hebrew, it can mean young, it can be small. but it can also have two other definitions. Number one is it insignificant? So David was insignificant. He wasn't just young. It could also be unimportant. So for us, being humans, yes, we might be minute. we're small, God still loves us. But here's something else that we need to understand. If God can see us as people that He loved, people that He cherished, that He was send His Son to die for us, what about the insignificant things in our life? What about the things in our life that we deem insignificant that we put aside? The things in our life that we deem unimportant, but God has a purpose for it. Could it be our, our availability? Could it be our time? Could it be our willingness to sacrifice. Some of the smallest things in our life can determine the trajectory of where we go ahead each day. We always say habits will make, habits will will, will build you as a person. And habits are small things in life. It's little by little, little by little. Let's continue on. Now we've 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 we've, uh, we've looked at the anointing of David, right? Samuel came and anointed David. Now let's look at the anointing of Saul. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, verse 17. Then Samuel said to the people together to the, to, to the called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppress you. But you have today rejected your God who Himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to Him, No, set a king over us. Therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clan. So this is before Saul was anointed. This was the nation of Israel telling God, no, we want a king. Let me give you a bit of a backstory to this. Adam and Eve. (laughs) Let's go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned, they fell. So God said, okay, Someone will come, there will be a saviour that will come forth, that will solve, that will pay the price, that will bring you back to God. Then from there, of course, we have the patriarchs, which is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. Then from there, God gave the covenant to Abraham. You are a chosen people. You are This generation, that God, I I have chosen you. And from you, from this line, from Abraham, your lineage will come forth a saviour. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph went into captivity in Egypt. He went in with 70 people. Moses went in, took them out. Scholars put it at about 3 million people after many years. So they went, crossed the Red Sea, reached a place, wanted to conquer the promised land. So the 10, the ten spies say, no, cannot. So God said, okay, go take a walk for 40 years. The whole generation after that died. And you see, after Moses, he passed on the mantle of leadership to Joshua. So Joshua took the entire nation, a new generation, because the old generation couldn't go into the promised land. So a new generation went in, but what Joshua did was this, he didn't pass on the mantle. There was no one to take up after Joshua. So God, so the people of, of Israel had to raise up judges. So different, different judges to you know settle matters, settle problems. And Samuel from 1 Samuel, the one that we're reading, he is one of the last judges. So you see, he right now, right coming back to 1 Samuel chapter 10, the nation of Israel is telling him, hey. We want a king over us. Why is that so? Because they look at the nations around and they see that nation has a king, that nation has a king, that nation has a king. Why? We chosen people of of God supposed to be ruling and reigning on this earth. Why do we not have a king? No, we want a king. Remember how small things will change your trajectory in life? They come to a place where they actually rejected God and saying, no, we want a king now. You see, little by little, when you start to give in to things, that's when you start to give space to the wrong things in life and that can take root in your life. Let me give you an example. There is this exhibit in a museum. It's called the Holocaust Museum. It's in the US, it's to remind people of the bad things that had happened when the Jews were being killed in Germany and in Europe. So, there's this exhibit which is for children and it's called Daniel's House. So, Daniel's House is a tour of basically Daniel's life. So, Daniel's House starts with this kitchen, very bright kitchen, very nice Everything, you can hear the sound of people laughing, eating over a kitchen counter. And slowly but surely, you hear, then as you walk through the exhibit, suddenly you hear from the radio, oh, there's this person called Hitler that suddenly became and came into power, has a bit more, uh, making a bit more statements, making a bit more speeches. And slowly but surely, as you walk through the exhibit, slowly more things start to happen There were protests against the Jews. Slowly but surely, there were burnings that take place, looting of the shops. And you begin to see that, slowly but surely, measures were taken against the Jews. It wasn't like a drastic change, but it was a bit by a bit by a bit by a bit. And as you walk through the exhibit, mind you, this is for kids. It very gently shows them That if we start to give in a bit by a bit, that exhibit ends up at the gates of a death camp or a concentration camp. And that entire exhibit, when you walk through it, you don't really feel that things are suddenly changing. But it's slowly, but slowly, but surely, things are eroding. Values is being changed. And that's the same thing with our lives. Look at the people of Israel. They had all the experiences of going with God. But slowly but surely, throughout their time, they came to a place that, no God, we want a king. And God said, it's not time yet. No, we want a king. And who did they get? They got King Saul. And if you know the story, King Saul disobeyed God. If you know the story, later on, the true king, which was King David, God had to slowly bring him up. So, you see, the nation of Israel, in a sense, wasn't really prepared for a king at that time. But they jumped the gun. They say, no, you see, everyone have, have a king. I want to have it as well. You see, our lives, if we live just like Daniel's house, you go room by room, small things start to change. You don't really feel it. It's called this this thing, which I call it the room mentality. Because all you see is just the four walls of the rooms. Things will slowly change, things will slowly change. But you're only so focused on that room. So you see, when we see God as magnificent and as almighty, and when we see our place actually in creation of where God is, we begin to understand that, hey, it's not so much of the room that we're in. But we are thinking that there is a bigger picture out of that room. We always say this cliche phrase, out of the four walls. If you think beyond the four walls, if you think beyond the, the, the rooms that you have in your life right now, it doesn't matter whether it's a constraint, whether it's a sickness, whether it's some trouble that you're going through, or whether you're at a very comfortable place in your life. Let me tell you this it is just but a room in this journey of life that you're going through. Because you will keep walking and your room will change. But whether you are just so much focused on the room that you're in, or you're continuously focused on the God that has created you and that has put you in the room that you're in. So, just like the people of Israel, Saul, at that point of time, Saul was anointed. He was the people's choice. If you continue to read on, Saul was taller than everyone else from the shoulder upwards. He was literally born for everyone to look up towards him because he was that tall. Imagine, right? You have someone who is 195 stand next to you. I'm short. (laughs) Look up. Saul was born to look down on everyone. Saul was anointed. Saul was crowned. And if you read in verse 20 20, 20 and 21, Samuel called all the tribes. He called everyone. And they had this big fanfare. And they anointed Saul and they crowned him. You compare the anointing of Saul to the anointing of King David. You see, when David was anointed, there was nothing. There was no fanfare. Remember, Samuel had to come in fear. He was afraid that he was going to be chopped off by Saul. He anointed David. What happened after that, if you start reading? Nothing. There was no big procession. There was no celebration. There was nothing. David was anointed. Hey, this was going to be the next king. Nothing. Nothing after that. See, David was anointed but not yet crowned. It was all hush-hush. Even him going to the battlefield to meet Goliath. We all know the big story of Goliath, right? If you notice, if you start, if you read that story, right? At the start, he goes in. The brother actually asks him, Hey, what are you doing here? You know, typical of a big brother. I'm, I'm the eldest in my family. I understand. If you're the youngest and you have, you're the youngest. You know, got so many brothers, and the youngest comes up into the battlefield. It's like you're a small child. What are you doing here? The youngest has come to catch out. It's like we're doing adult stuff. Why are you here? You know, Chinese new you have the adults table and the kids table. Then suddenly the kids come and catch it's like, excuse me, go back to your table. So you see, even. You have to understand, at that point of time, Samuel has already anointed David. Samuel has already anointed David. But the brother is like, no, who are you? It was only almost 15 to 20 years later that David became king. And in that span of time, he was an armour bearer, he was a musician to the king, he had to fight battles, and he had to run for his life. He had to run for his life. He was the anointed one. He was the one that was supposed to be crowned. But yet, he was running for his life. See, David understood that he was not not called to walk in the path of the crown, but he was called to walk in the path of the anointed. How does that apply to us? A lot of times, we go through life you know and you know, especially if you've been in church for some time, that God has a purpose for your life. Amen? You all know God has a purpose for your life. No need to put up your hands. Sure, got on. You don't know, Also, you know you have something just that you don't know yet. Alright? That's the common question. But every time we want to be anointed, we also want to be in a position of being crowned. We want the authority, we want the power, we want to be ahead. We want to be for good intentions. I'm not talking about bad intentions. Say, if you're preaching, I want to preach a good sermon. I want to preach a sermon where everybody can understand. I want to preach a sermon where, you know, people behind don't fall asleep. Don't worry, nobody is falling asleep. Not yet. Hello? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But whether you like it or not, you want to do your best, right? But the path of the anointed doesn't always bring you to that place. Look at David. I mean, he wants to help out, right? I mean, imagine yourself in his shoes. The judge comes, I mean, this guy who the whole nation looks to him. He has the power to to choose the next king, comes and anoints you king. Like, all of a sudden, hello, oh, you're yeah, a king. Okay, bless. Then everybody just goes away. Then it was just quiet. Then it's like, huh, Messi, messy? What happened? And then you're like, okay, uh, I'm anointed. I need to be the next king, right? So you start doing something like you want to help out. So you bring lunch to your brothers on the battlefield. And the first thing your brother says is like, what are you doing here? Excuse me, go home, take care of the ships. path of the anointed you see our crown is not our crown is not in our positions and in our leadership our crown is not in our ministry it's not in the achievements in our life today the path of the anointed just like how david is it is really a journey of ups and downs he was he killed goliath he was then the musician he, had to, he, win, he won battles, he won wars. Ultimately, he was even on the run. He was anointed, but not yet crowned. You see, when you have the understanding that you being crowned sets you above everyone else, that's what the world tells you, that you have to be above everyone else, that you have to be better than everyone else, that you have to do your best. You have to stand out. But a path of the anointed has you serving beneath everyone else. Philippians 3, verse 13 to 15 says this, No Christian brothers, I do not have that life yet. But I do one thing, I forget everything that is behind me and look forward to that which is ahead of me. My eyes are on the crown. I want to win the race and get the crown of God's call from heaven through Christ Jesus. All of us who are full-grown Christians should think this way. If you do not think this way, God will show it to you. This is from the NLV version. It says, My eyes are on the crown. What does this say of us today? You know, our crown is not here in this life. Our crown is here. In heaven, our crown is when we finish the race. That's when we get our crown. So right now, right here in this life that we have, in the many rooms in this journey that we have, we are anointed but not yet crowned. Means we have the power, we have the authority that God has already chosen us. There is a purpose but not yet, not fully. We still need to grow. We still need to mature. We still need to change. We still need to allow ourselves to be changed by God each day. We still need to watch out for the changes in the rooms in our life to not give in to spaces that can seep in. They're walking in the path of the anointed. Your crown is when you come before God, when the race ends. So don't give up. Don't give up. Stay the course. Continue to be humble. Continue to know that God is God Almighty. That in any and every circumstance, He has made you and He has placed you where you are supposed to be. The passion translation. The Passion Translation of the same verse. Says this, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Verse 14 I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. And verse 15, So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not fully gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. You see, this was the heart. When we talk about a man after God's own heart, this was David's heart. This was David's heart. He cultivated it this even from a young age writing psalms glorifying God, understanding that even though he was anointed, there wasn't his time yet, that he was slowly allowing God to change him, that yet he continued to stay the course. And even when he had a chance to kill King Saul, he chose to obey God. He chose to obey God. You ever heard of David taking care of sheep? You always hear of David taking care of sheep? Why is He so faithfully taking care of the sheep? He doesn't do it for the applause of the sheep. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. What can the one give to Him? It's not for the applause of the one or the applause of the 99. It's for the applause of the one and only audience, the one true God. The Almighty God that we serve. The Almighty God that has created us. And out of everything, out of everything, Romans 1 verse 3, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. It was because of His journey in life that out of the lineage of David, King came Jesus. Remember, from Adam all the way to David how David became king. It was out of David's lineage, out of David's line that Jesus came forth. Let me just end with this. I I have a very short sermon. I don't have much. God is almighty. Continue to be humble. We're anointed, but not yet crowned. You know, church your life will have ups and will have downs. Your life will continue to change. Your life will, will sometimes get comfortable, will sometimes get tough. You'll walk through different, different rooms. But you see, if we understand what Philippians says, that we keep our eyes on the crown. We always use this scripture and say we press on, we press on. I think our perspective on on life has to be has to be so clear. Are we living our lives just room by room, just day by day, or is there a greater purpose to everything? You know, I, I find it so so easy to. Think of the years ahead. Maybe to think of 10, 20 years ahead. For those of you with kids to think of, you know, where your kids will be in five years' time. Where will you be in five to ten years' time? Have you ever stopped and really look at it in the whole scheme of things and not just look at this room that you're in? or the room ahead, or even the rooms that are ahead. But in the whole scheme of things, in this whole life journey, have you ever thought, is what you are doing really what God has called you for, God has anointed you for? Because like I said, I believe each and every single person, you're anointed, you're appointed, God has a purpose for you. You're not just here just to become a good Christian and just to die and meet Jesus. There's no such thing as a nominal Christian. There's no such thing as I just come to church, attend a service Christian, and I say bye-bye. Um, this is not about serving. This is not about being in a position of leadership. This is really about whether you're allowing God to really use you for what He has made you for. Remember, God, creator of heaven and earth, creator of you and me, placing a specific purpose in your life. Are you really fulfilling that? Or have you just gone through maybe the past few years or even the past few months just walking through Daniel's house. You're allowing things to just erode. You're allowing your values to just slowly but surely change. And as you walk, and as you walk, maybe, maybe one day, not maybe, definitely one day, you will come before this gate. And you will die. The gate of death when you go through those doors, are you going to be in a place where you can say, God, I have pressed on. God, I have left my eyes set on this crown. That God, even though I know that you have anointed me for something, even though I am not crowned yet right here on earth, I have continued to persevere I've continued to press on. That My life maybe will just be like David. I may have defeated Goliath in my life, but I've also come to a place where I can be an armour-bearer for someone else. I can serve someone else. I can be that musician that will heal the soul of other people, that will bring people closer to God. I might have to run away from certain things of sins in my life, or certain people that is no of no good influence in my life. I may have had to done to have to, to, to may have to do that in my life. But I know that one day, one day surely I come before God for that crown that God has placed. For that crown that God has made ready for you and for me. That is the call. That is what we are and who we are supposed to be each day, every day, every single step of the way. I pray that in the next one week, you're on a break. Use this time. Talk to God, talk to Him. Do a stock check of your spiritual life. Not just your spiritual life. Let me rephrase that. Do a stock check of your life. Your spiritual life and your life is not separated, yeah? Your career and your spiritual life is not separated. Your ministry and and your relationship with God is not separated. It's not about, you know, how how much you're serving. It's not about how much you're you're leading. But it's, it's really, are you fulfilling what God has called you to do? I pray you really find that purpose. I pray that you really find that fulfillment. I pray you really be so sure that, God, really, this is what I'm holding on. This is what I'm pressing on into. Because Philippians says that, for all those who are mature, you will understand this. And then it says that, if you are not mature enough, pray that God will slowly reveal it to you. It means everybody will come to this place where you will really understand that this is this journey that you will need to press on towards the prize that is in heaven. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we just want to thank you and God, we just want to humbly come before you and God, acknowledge that you are our creator. That God, everything that we have that we hold, everything that we own really comes from you. That it's not by our giftings, our talents and our skills. It is not by our own doing that we are where we are today. But God, it is all because of you. And we just want to give you honour. We just want to give you glory for everything that we have gone through, good and bad. And God, we ask that you will open our hearts. You will soften our hearts. You will open our eyes. That God, we will really begin to see what you have placed over our lives. The anointing that you have placed over each and every one of our lives. So God, we ask that let us not lose hold of that. So God, we ask that let us never come to a place where the devil will come and steal that anointing, will come and steal that, that, folk, that, that, that purpose. That God, we, pr- we pray that our eyes will always be fixed on you and you alone that as we walk through the different rooms of life, that God, we will always have our sights on You. So Father, we pray, speak to us, reveal to us, that God not just show us clarity, but really show us the tangible actions and things that we can do to take that first step. So Father, today we just want to commit ourselves, we just want to surrender ourselves to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I pray, I pray, I really pray that you just take the time just to, just to, just to just spend some time each day. I'm not asking you for four hours prayer. Don't worry. You know, you will have time to, to go and eat your Chinese New Year snacks. You will have time to low your yisang. Just take some time. Just take a few minutes each day. Talk to God. Say, God, hey, am I okay, God? Where am I in this life? Am I really fulfilling this purpose that you have called me to? It's for people who are young, people who are working, people who are even younger, those with white hair. Yeah, those who are even younger. I'm talking about you. It's not that you're towards the end of your life, then you can sao kong. No, uh, you only press on. It's only towards the end when you come before God and say that. Good and faithful servant, you have run the race well. You have run the race well. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshipping with us and especially for those of you who are online. uh, I pray that you have a good time uh, back in your hometown. For those of you who are travelling, safe journey. For those of you who are meeting up with family, stay safe have a really good time. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your relatives. You know, don't just, you know, go happy-happy, go out and meet, find your friends. Spend time with family. It's very important. You know, as, you know, in the past two years, some of us have not been able to go back home. Take this time, treasure them. Amen. Pray for them. Pray for them. Amen. Uh, service is on as usual next week here at 9am and online as well. So, Thank you so much. I pray that you have a wonderful week ahead. Happy New Year. Let me declare the benediction. <laughs> in the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The sweet, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. continue to be with us even in our going out and our coming in. We continue to look to you. We continue to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Goodbye. God bless. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.